and welcome to One Golden Moment. I'm your host, Benjamin Coleman, and I'm joined once again by Tom Eisenberg and Ryan Chen. And today we are going to be talking about a wild second round of the NBA playoffs and get into previewing the conference finals as well. We have a lot to go over, so why don't we just get right into it with you guys telling me your review and general thoughts on how the playoffs have panned out so far. Yeah, the second round has been really great so far because it's been full of surprises. I predicted three of the four series is wrong. I only had the Lakers over Rockets right. I didn't expect Denver to beat the Clippers. I didn't expect the Heat to beat the Bucks. And the Raptors Celtics was kind of a coin toss, but I still picked Toronto. So that's been really awesome. The, the NBA playoffs in general have been uh, very, very exciting to watch. Um, it, it, it feels like it's kind of made up for a lost uh, March Madness this year. A um, lot of upsets in terms of just series going back and back and forth. Um, and I, you know, my playoff racket is um, holding up fine, but I, yeah, I, I definitely did not have a team like Denver making it uh, to the conference finals. So um, it's been very exciting to watch. Absolutely. It has been an amazing playoff so far. I think a lot of people's brackets have been busted, but we're probably all better off for it. And I can't wait to see what's going to come up next, because I'm sure there are more surprises in store. But before we preview what's to come, why don't we take a look back a little bit and go over these crazy second round series that have just wrapped up. So starting things off in the Eastern Conference, the very first matchup to conclude was between the one-seeded Milwaukee Bucks, who were upset by the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, the five-seed, in five games. Why don't you guys tell me what you thought about this series? I thought it was really cool because I going into it, I knew if any team in the East could challenge the Bucks, it would be the Heat. They matched up really well. Still gave the Bucks the edge because they were a historically great team, like one of the 20 best regular season teams ever or so. And it was just honestly a miraculous upset. The fact that they won it in base, it was basically a sweep. I mean, it was five games, but that last game could have gone to the Heat, and Giannis didn't even play. It was just wow. Like, I was every game that he won, I was like, oh my God, they're going to win again. They're going to win again. And it would have, it was one of the biggest upsets I've seen in my life before yesterday. Yeah, crazy series. I, uh, Okay, that, that is where in the Eastern Conference my, uh, my bracket defini definitely does deviate. Um, yeah, I definitely had the Bucks winning whoever came out with the Pacers or Heat. Uh, in fact, I, I think I actually had the Pacers coming out of it. Um, oh, I've really underestimated the Heat. I, I really have. I, I, I thought it would be a, a hard round between the Pacers and the Heat with, I, you know, with Oladipo coming back, but uh, clearly that didn't really pan out that well. Um, and just seeing the Heat wreck the Bucks, it, it, it begs the question, like, you know, questioning the kind of credibility of, of uh, Giannis. And uh, sure, he's the uh, 
likely two-time in a row league MVP and defensive player of the year over Anthony Davis. So um, that really does back the question, like what, what good is that uh, if you can't produce postseason? Giannis was playing like 35 minutes a game when he should have been playing at least like 41, 42 minutes a game. So that was a huge mistake by Bud. I think also I, losing Brock, choosing Bledsoe over Brogdon was a really big mistake as well. He would have. I, I definitely agree with that. I think also though Giannis had to have kind of, kind of just taken the mantle and and really just play forced Budenholzer to play more, get on Jimmy Butler, just taking more initiative. Yeah, I think that was Giannis for sure. Now to play devil's advocate, Giannis was banged up the whole series long. He missed essentially the last two games of the series. Um, do you think he would have even been safe to play the full game or much more minutes? And would the series have turned out differently, do you think, if he was at full force every single game playing up a larger chunk of minutes? I think if he had just been playing more minutes in the regular season, his body would have been more ready for it now. They were playing in like 30, 31 minutes a game the whole regular season because the Bucks just destroyed people so easily. But then you learn how to close games because the games are never close. You don't learn how to get the stamina to play so many minutes. So I think that was a big issue. And I think not firing Coach Bud was a big mistake. Yeah, I, I think that's where uh, uh weaknesses show. I mean, Miami just locked up Giannis and just built a wall to completely stop him. And in the regular season, it works. You know, it's just not as much – there's not as much intensity in your defense. Uh, but we really saw the – the heat um, and Spolstra uh, locking Giannis up. And when he can't drive to the rim, uh, he really has no other option. Uh, he really needs to get a consistent jump shot and uh, be able to kind of uh, expect that that teams are going to gonna kind of uh, block up the paint. Yeah, absolutely. It was an incredible coaching performance from Eric Spolstra, reminding us why he's one of the best coaches in the NBA with a masterclass shutting down Giannis and the Bucks. You guys have already mentioned whether or not the Bucks should fire Mike Budenholzer. It seems like they might be sticking with him, but there are some interesting names out there who have just recently left their teams. Mike D'Antoni is gone from the Rockets. Billy Donovan from the Thunder. Do you think there's any coaching names that the Bucks should bring in that would help them next year on their quest for a championship? I think that's probably the biggest reason they didn't fire him is that I look at the alternatives and I'm like, are any of these really going to be an upgrade over if just if Bud just plays the stars more minutes? I mean, because I look at like Mike D'Antoni, that doesn't really fit. Nate McMillan, Brett Brown, or some of the ones who have never been like maybe Chauncey Billups, some names like that. I just, I don't know. It's hard to really know until you see it next. And that, that's also dependent on uh, Giannis sticking with the Bucks and not wanting to leave. Uh, I, I do ultimately think he's going to stay with the Bucks, but yeah, you never know. It'd be cool to see him uh, in a Heat jersey or, a, I don't know, a Mav jersey or a, in Portland. It'd be really cool to see him with a, another superstar. In the East, not in the West. Yeah. It, it would definitely be cool to see him in another jersey, but I agree with Ryan. I think he's the type of guy who's going to be loyal to his team and stick with the Bucks. But I think if he's going to do that, we all seem to agree that the Bucks need to make some changes. So – what do you guys think is the best way forward for Milwaukee to move this offseason to kind of readjust their team and make them a legitimate title contender? Get Giannis a real second star. Chris Middleton isn't it. 
get rid of Bledsoe for anything. He's terrible in the playoffs. You can get Chris Paul, try to get him. If you can get Bradley Beal, try to get him. Just anything. Anything is better than doing nothing. Yeah, I, th- I think Chris Paul would be a great pickup for if they're they're able to somehow land him in a Bucks uniform. Uh, Giannis just needs a a, a, a side sidekick superstar, um, and Middleton is good, but uh, yeah, we need someone who who can kind of match uh, Giannis's abilities. Definitely. Well, the Bucks have a lot of questions to ask themselves this offseason. It will be very interesting to see how they proceed. But now let's move on to the other second round series in the Eastern Conference, one that was a lot closer and went the full seven games between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics, with the Celtics ultimately prevailing in a final game seven. What do you guys think about this series? I thought the series was really good, besides games one and five, which were blowout wins for the Celtics. And what's really crazy is the Celtics were on the verge of almost possibly sweeping. They were up in game three with less than a second remaining, and they totally choked that inbounds play. And I was like, wow, they might lose the series over this. And they got a little lucky that Pascal Siakam basically didn't play for the Raptors. I mean, I don't know where he was. I didn't see him at all. So, yeah, the Celtics, I mean, their star power really showed through, and the Raptors didn't. And I guess that was just the end of it. Yeah, that game winner by uh, OG and Obi uh, was absolutely insane. I, I think this series in particular just goes to show you um, how powerful kind of momentum is. So then Toronto almost mounted a huge comeback, uh, almost even after almost uh, going down 3-0. But they, they managed to kind of uh, go toe-to-toe with the Celtics. But um, I, I think, yeah, the Celtics are just – simply a better team um and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been doing a great deal of good uh for their uh for the for their lineups yeah absolutely I think Toronto definitely has a lot to be proud of uh losing Kawhi a lot of people thought going into this season they wouldn't even be close to the second round but they really gave the Celtics a great run for their money of course, that OG Ananobi buzzer beater, one of the craziest shots I've seen in a long time. But ultimately, this team fell short. And like the Bucks, they also have some questions to ask themselves this offseason. A lot of the players who stepped up, like Kyle Lowry, are some of those aging players. And their young star that they have on a max contract, Pascal Siakam, was mostly invisible in this second-round series. What do you think the solution is for Toronto to move forward? Oh, man. I mean, they could choose to regroup with this group again, but a lot of these players are free agents. Marcus Saul's expiring. Sergi Baca's expiring. Fred Van Vliet's expiring, and he needs to get paid. So I'm not sure where they go from here. I mean, I'm sure they'll try to bring Van, at least Van Vliet back, maybe Ibaka and Gasol too. Maybe run it back again. Maybe they'll try to sign some other free agents, like maybe an Andre Drummond or something. I don't think that would be smart, but you never know missing the playoffs next year by losing a lot of these players or maybe doing the exact same thing again? I mean, I'd say just trying to pick up a free agent at this point. I, you know, we, you, you see the effect of when Kawhi leaves, but they're, they're still a very, very much a, a great team and try, trying to retain the players that they have and uh, just signing maybe one more star, I think uh, we'll, they'll do just fine. And obviously keeping – uh, Nick Nurse, who's an excellent coach. Um, I think 
they just need one more piece to to kind of emulate almost what that team was uh, last season. I agree. I think the Raptors still have the makings of a very good team. They have a great coach, great general manager in Masai Ujiri, and I think their performance this playoffs, as well as Kawhi Leonard's failure, which we'll get into a little bit later, show that this team last year who won the championship was a lot more than just Kawhi, and a lot of those pieces are still there. Though, again, like you guys have mentioned, they face some tough decisions. Uh, they need to make sure to kind of avoid that treadmill of mediocrity and not get stuck in losing those first and second round playoff series, but never fully rebuilding. So I think they'll have to be smart. They'll have to be savvy this offseason. And hopefully they'll find a way to move forward and keep being a playoff contender. But that's going to wrap things up for an exciting second round in the Eastern Conference. And now let's move on over to the Western Conference, where the very first series that wrapped up was between the Los Angeles Lakers, who both you guys are fans of, against the Houston Rockets, who put up an ultimately disappointing performance and bowed out in five games. How did you guys feel about this series? Anyone who was surprised with the result of this series hasn't been watching basketball for very long. James Harden he was pretty good in this series, actually. I don't even want to like put any... I don't want to put a lot of blame on him. He was good in all the games except game four, where he was terrible. So I don't want to blame him. But the small ball experiment sucks, especially when you're going up against Anthony Davis and LeBron. You need rim protection. Rim protection is super important. The Rockets didn't have it. They lost in the second round. The Clippers didn't have it. They lost in the second round. And it goes to show what happens when you start underestimating having two of the top five players in the game. There should have been no reason that people thought, oh, yeah, Rockets, they have a chance. No, no. And then after game two, the Rockets made 22 threes on over 40% shooting. It was their first loss shooting over 40% from three. And people thought, oh, they haven't even played their best game. And I was like, what? And the Rockets lost three games in a row. And they shot over 40% in two of those. Yeah, I, I'd say that uh, Houston is a, a perfect example of a, a team that's good, but not good enough to leave the second round. Um, James Harden and Russell Westbrook did fine, but uh, losing, I mean, losing Capella, you have no one to cont contain a player like Anthony Davis, no, no rebounding. Um, and you're right, Tom, Anthony Davis and LeBron just, there's, there's no one to, to stop them. So I, I think that was a huge contributing factor to a uh, 4-1 uh, playoff series win. Yeah, I think the Lakers showed themselves to be a dominant playoff team, but also I think a lot of people maybe expected Houston to put more of a, put up more of a fight. So um, definitely people in that organization, I think have reason to be disappointed and will probably look to make some changes. They've already started to make some changes moving on from head coach, Mike D'Antoni, as we mentioned earlier, who do you guys think would be the fit for them to bring in as a new head coach? And what are some other changes you think, they should make this offseason to kind of rebuild themselves a little bit or at least retool and try to keep on pushing for an NBA championship. I think the Rockets' future is super bleak. They need a, like a good center, one who can space the floor, because if you don't have one who spaces the floor, Westbrook becomes very useless. He's already pretty bad, to be honest, despite what some of his numbers might say. He's not very good. I don't know what center they can get on the market. They have almost no cap space with Westbrook and Harden making $40 million. Gordon makes like $16 million. The coach that fits their system is Tony. He just left. I don't know what coach they're going to choose. No other coach really fits Russell Westbrook. James Harden needs to change 
his play style and be able to go off the ball more. They're just a mess all around. And oh, I mean, if they can't get rid of Westbrook's contract, which I don't expect them to, they're they're gonna be in for the same fate next year. Yeah, I was gonna say their their entire roster is built on Mike D'Antoni, and now that he's gone, they they really do have to just rebuild rebuild their entire roster. Um, I don't know if that's gonna be Harden or Westbrook. I'd keep Harden, but uh, definitely get some bigger uh, players in there and make up for that loss um, from Capella. Yeah, Houston definitely has a lot of issues I think they'll have to address this offseason. Daryl Morey, he's a smart executive. He may be able to find a way, but there definitely are some obstacles standing in the way of the Rockets making a push for a title in the near future. Maybe Yao Ming can come out of retirement and play for the Rockets again. That would be that would be amazing. Uh, it would be. It would be. Okay, so now that we've gone over those first three series, let's talk about the final series of the second round, perhaps the most exciting and absolutely shocking collapse by the Los Angeles Clippers, up 3-1 against the Denver Nuggets, and the Nuggets find a way to come back, win three straight, and knock off Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the Clippers in seven games. The Clippers were a team with championship hopes, and to bow out in the second round in this fashion has to be an incredible disappointment for that organization. Uh, what do you guys think about this series and what the Clippers are thinking and feeling right now? This is the biggest choke ever, ever. I don't want to hear about the Warriors 3-1 lead in the finals. That was in the finals. At least you made the finals. It was to LeBron. This is to Nikola Jokic, who's probably going to lose in the next round, and no other all-star players. The Clippers roster was fully healthy. The Nets were a below-average defense. They were missing their third-leading scorer, Will Barton. And the Clippers talked so much smack all year about how this is their city. They're the best team, not only in L.A., in the league. They were cocky and laughing at the Mavericks. And the fact that not only did they lose the seven-game series, they were up 3-1 up 16 in game five, blow it. Up 19 in game six, blow it. Up 12 in game seven, blow it. It's just so beautiful. And I just, oh, and Kawhi and Paul George combined for zero points in the second half. And for all this Kawhi-Jordan comparisons for, oh, he's such an elite playoff performer. And he generally is. Against Denver, a below average defense, the last six games after, he had a really spectacular game one, but the last six games are 23 points per game on 40% shooting. That's like a Russell Westbrook type stat. That's bad. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm just – I am so ecstatic right now. And I don't feel bad for the Clippers fans at all. They're just cursed, and they deserve it. I don't know. I don't know many, many uh, Clippers fans. I know we're recording this. There's uh, only five of them, so they're hard to find. <laughs> it's a very small band of fans. Um, I, I just want to get this off my chest. I think the Clippers should really go back to San Diego. Um, I, from LA. I, yeah, out of California. No, just leave, leave the state. Go to the east. Uh, no one, no, not many Los Angeles actually have the Clippers as their favorite team. Um, I, I do think they should, the Clippers should go to kind of a smaller market uh, brand and kind of build from there. Uh, I think going to Seattle would be a good option. I think the main attraction would be a great idea for the Clippers, but we'll see. They're just not getting the love from LA, and rightfully so, because the Lakers have been there. Uh, for decades. And uh, I, I think as a Lakers fan, it's, it's easy to kind of see the Lakers flaws and almost in a sense overestimate the Clippers, but uh, wow, like their, their weaknesses did show. I really did think that their, their, their roster 
kind of complement each player complemented each other well. Um, but yeah, you kind of just saw a collapse from uh, not only, only Doc Rivers coaching, um, and we can talk about that, I guess, in terms of his future, but uh, uh, yeah, Kawhi just didn't perform up to expectation. Uh, playoff P uh, completely choked. Um, and I, I know, you know, some, some Clippers fans are uh, kind of talking about uh, incidents of like uh, the great Kobe Bryant when he was in game seven, he didn't have the best game in 2010 against the Celtics. Well, Kobe, Kobe adjusted accordingly and Kobe uh, grabbed rebounds. He still managed to get to the free throw line to get the most amount of points, which was, I believe, only around 20 points, um, which was low for him. Uh, he, he adjusted and he, he knew that rebounding was what's, what was going to win that game seven in 2010 against the Celtics. Um, and Kawhi just kept shooting in and kept bricking. Um, and clearly, they just needed to do something else, something. Um, and Doc Rivers uh, just stuck with his kind of same game plan. Kobe had 23 points in that game, seven, 15 rebounds. He got to the line 15 times. Kawhi Leonard had 14 points, didn't get to the line at all, despite how many times he kept screaming A at the refs like he does every game, had six rebounds, and was 6 for 22. Like, man, I wow, just I don't even have words. Like, I was so surprised that it was that bad. Exactly. And I, I think – I think Tom, you're you're mentioning this. You know, Kawhi is a phenomenal player, and he he is normally very good in the playoffs. So I, I but but yeah, this is kind of the, the biggest choke. I don't I don't necessarily think that people have been overestimating Kawhi necessarily, but I I do think yeah, this is just a kind of a a bad series for him. Um, but he yeah, he's normally very kind of efficient in, in the playoffs. So I was very surprised to, to see this collapse by, by Kawhi especially. This result was so bad, I don't even know who to blame. Do we blame Doc Rivers, the coach who's now blown three 3-1 leads, most in NBA history, who has ever made a conference finals since the 2010 finals with the Celtics. He left the Celtics in 2013 for the Clippers because he didn't want to do a rebuild. The Clippers have made zero conference finals since then. Celtics are in their third. So how does that work for you, Doc? Do you blame Lou Williams, who was a six-man-of-the-year candidate and shot like 20% from three in the series? Montrez Harrell, who didn't defend anything all series? Paul George, who was as inconsistent as always, playoff P? Or Kawhi, who had the worst game seven performance by a superstar I've ever seen? Yeah, I think it was absolutely a failure on all levels. And even though you guys are enjoying it as Lakers fans, I don't think it can be understated when an all-around failure it was for the Los Angeles Clippers. And of all the teams who disappointed in the second round, they probably are the ones that have to look at their team the hardest and think, man, we got to make some changes. So I'm very curious to see what they do moving forward from this. They still have Paul George and Kawhi under contract for the next year. They can bring back the pieces that they have right now if they want to. The question is, are they going to? What do you think the Clippers do from here? Do they stick with Doc Rivers or pick up a new coach? And do they switch up their roster a little bit uh, in an effort to push for the title next season? I think they should get rid of Doc Rivers, but Chris Haynes reported that Doc Rivers is staying, and it was one of the main reasons Kawhi's there. So the Clippers are going to be screwed next year, too, because Doc Rivers doesn't make adjustments, and he loves sticking with his guys. He, had, he develops like a group of five or six players that he really likes, and those are the only guys he plays when it matters, even if it's not working. 
So that's great news for all the non-Clippers fans. And what I think they should do, though, is they get rid of Doc Rivers. Get rid of Doc Rivers. And then everyone who's not Kawhi, trade them. Trade them all. Paul George is not a winning player. Lou Williams can't play defense. They were supposed to be an elite defensive team. Only have three good defensive players. You can't be an elite defensive team with a weakness at defense with Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. Zubats is okay. I mean, Harrell's a free agent. Let him go. Don't resign him. Uh, yeah, trade Lou Williams. Patrick Beverly can stay. And then get just better defenders and get someone who can lead your team. I feel like Rondo, despite how inconsistent and not very good at basketball he is these days, I think he would have really helped them. And they probably would have won this series if they had him. They have no leader. Kawhi is not a leader. He doesn't talk. He's just really good at basketball. They need to get someone like that. They need a veteran, a point guard, someone who can play make for them. Like, anything. I mean, they just make a move. Do something. You can't win with this team. I I mean, I don't know. I feel like it, it's it's easy to kind of say that this is just a bad team, but uh, I mean, again, I'm a Lakers fan, but I, I I feel like this is just an unprecedented kind of collapse. I I do not think this is necessarily inevitable. Um, I think I honestly think you you keep with Doc one more season at the very least and see where, what they can do, maybe make some minor adjustments, but they're, the, the Clippers are under the most scrutiny of any other team right now. And I don't know how much longer that, that'll last, but um, I mean, personally speaking, I'd like to see what they do next season. And I, something tells me that they're, they're, you know, Kawhi will get back into his mindset. Paul George will hopefully for them produce like, I, I do think that they're going to keep basically the same lineup, maybe make some minor adjustments, but um, I don't know. I think they'll have some sort of vengeance uh, knowing that they, it was completely kind of unprecedented and their fault for, for uh, choking away the series to Denver. So I, I feel like maybe it's not time to uh, push the alarm or the emergency alarm button uh, right now. I think maybe play it out one more season uh, if, if I'm looking from the Clippers perspective, uh, if the same thing happens again, then, then, uh, cataclysmically. No, I don't, I think that's too late. They're free agents next season. They have one more year on their contracts. If it doesn't work out, Kawhi might dip and then they're screwed because they don't have another first round pick until 2027. They need to do whatever they can to make sure Kawhi doesn't leave. And that's, that means getting rid of Paul George Kawhi, because yeah. he does not perform in the playoffs ever. Yeah, the Clippers, you're right, you are with that point. The Clippers will not be anything with, without Kawhi. So I, I think doing whatever makes Kawhi happy is, is, is important. But I, I do think that they will be able to rebound. And not saying that I necessarily want them to rebound, uh, but I, I do think they'll, they'll make necessary adjustments. Although, actually, I want to add this. this. That I think the, if the Lakers lose to the Nuggets too, if the Nuggets are just like world beaters and they win the championship, maybe the Clippers don't need to necessarily hit the panic button. But if the Lakers just come out and destroy the Nuggets, then the Clippers have a problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think it will be very interesting to see how the Clippers move forward this offseason. We seem to have some dividing opinions on whether they should blow things up or try to run it back one more year with their stars still under contract. And I think it will all depend on whether the Clippers think this was just a one-off 
miraculous collapse or whether this is actually the truth about what their team is and that they'll need to blow things up. Um, in the end, I think my personal opinion is that it might fall somewhere in the middle. I could see them doing some minor shakeups, trying to clean up their roster a little bit, but I don't really see them going into a full rebuild and blowing everything up around Kawhi. But again, we'll just have to see how things play out. I think they'll give it some time, see how the rest of the playoffs goes, and then make their decision on how to move forward. But I think no matter what they choose, they will have a lot of pressure and scrutiny on them all season long. Um, but before we move on from this series, I think we need to give some credit to the Denver Nuggets, who have been absolutely incredible this playoffs. I think if the Heat were the most shocking team in the East, then the Nuggets are the most surprising team in the West. Came back down from 3-1 in the first round against the Utah Jazz, and then did the exact same thing in the second round against the Clippers. An amazing playoff performance from Nikola Jokic and my man, Jamal Murray, who as a Canadian, I have to shout out, this guy I think is, has all the makings of a future superstar and has seriously emerged this postseason. What do you guys think about the special run that the Nuggets are on so far? Yeah, I, I forgot to give them credit. I was so like taken over with just the Clipper slander. But yeah, give the Nuggets a lot of credit for being able to rally like they did. Not once, but twice. Because I thought they were dead in the water when they were down 3-1 to the Jazz. And I had them beating the Jazz. And then they managed to come back, barely win. And during that Game 7, I tweeted, I was like, is this the most pointless Game 7 ever? Because whoever wins is going to lose to the Clippers. And boy, was I wrong. If Mike Conley made that shot, the Clippers would probably be in the Conference Finals right now. But because he missed, and Denver was so good, especially in the last few games, shooting over 40% from three as a team, it was just amazing. Jamal Murray is probably the best non-All-Star in the league. He's never been an All-Star despite what people look at him and they think he's, like, really special. And until this playoffs, he hasn't really shown me anything. But this playoffs, he's been really fantastic. And I'm proud of him because I was really high on him coming out of Kentucky. And Jokic is just amazing. He's a superstar. He's a top 10 player in the league. He's the best center in the league. Don't come at me with Joel Embiid. Jokic is so special. Never seen a player like him, the way he dribbles and passes as a seven-footer. Despite how slow and chunky it looks, he's just super effective. Yeah, they're a great one-two punch. I, I mean, I, I had the 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 Nuggets making it to the second round. Uh, I really did not think they would beat the Clippers. Uh, yeah, I feel like every year people sleep on on Jokic, um, and now, uh, I especially people are seeing uh, how good he is, and then Jamal Murray is amazing. Um, I. He was always a, a pretty good player, but now he's really blossomed uh, within these playoffs. And now we see uh, a rising, potentially rising, potential rising star in uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, who can be an excellent kind of third wheel to um, to that one-two punch. Uh, and they, I, I can potentially see them being a very, very deadly trio, um, even if they they do lose to the Lakers uh, in the conference finals. But um, yeah, we have yet to see. Yeah, I think this team really is something special. They've experienced an amazing emergence this playoffs with players like Jamal Murray and then even role players like Bol Bol, Michael Porter Jr. They've really played well. And I think this team, if they make the right moves, might be an emerging dynasty and start making runs for NBA titles in the very near future. I think the most exciting part about this team is how young they are. 
all of their stars are still under 25. They're getting better every day. And I think a lot of the other teams in the West, the Lakers, the Clippers, have these kind of aging superstars. The Nuggets might be that team that's next up to kind of dominate the Western Conference in these next few years. Um, so I'm curious, what do you guys think about the Nuggets' chances to be sort of an emerging dynasty in the West? Do you think there's any other Western Conference teams that might steal that mantle from them? And if the Nuggets are to be title contenders very soon, do they need to make any other moves? Or do you think their roster as is is good enough? I don't see them as a dynasty. I think they're – especially not the roster right now. I do think they need some upgrades, although I do think they're really good. But no team is perfect. Even whoever wins the title this year, they're not perfect. People said the Clippers were perfect. No, they weren't. And the Nuggets aren't either. But I think maybe with some more development and maybe some more defensive players because their defense is a problem. Murray and Jokic are not good defenders. They need to have better defenders around them. Millsap is kind of washed. Jeremy Grant is pretty solid. And Gary Harris is okay. But I think you could still upgrade those positions. Yeah, I, I don't think yet. I mean, Jamal Murray and Jokic are good, but they're not uh, they're not like a legendary one-two punch like Kobe and Shaq yet. Uh, yet, but you know, things can change. I, I think the I think it'll be very interesting uh, in the future to see uh, the Denver Nuggets kind of get better and better over time, develop their players, um, and and see their matchup uh, with the Mavericks. Uh, also, two young superstars in the Doncic and Kristaps uh, Porzingis, uh, so that that'll be some good uh, playoff rounds once the, once uh, Denver and the Mavericks are kind of the top of the West. Uh, but right now, I I do feel like it's just it's the LeBron show. Like everyone's kind of focused on can LeBron win his win another ring. Um, he's a seasoned vet by now. Um, he knows how to kind of run through the playoffs successfully um, and make it to the finals. So yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of questions, um, but uh, I, I think they have the potential to be a really, really good team and possibly the number one, one seed in the West uh, in, in a couple of years. I, yes, I am very excited by this Denver Nuggets team. Of course, they are in a dynasty right now, but I think this is a team that has the potential to win a championship or two in the very near future if they keep progressing like they are. And like you, Ryan, I'm also very excited to see the potential battles we have in upcoming years between Luka Doncic and the Mavericks against these rising Denver Nuggets. I think those two teams could be the cream of the crop in the Western Conference very, very soon. But right now, the Western Conference still seems to belong to LeBron James. So let's turn things back to this year's playoffs and get into what should be some exciting conference final matchups. Um, just to note, the, the day we're recording this is after game one of the Heat Celtics series. The Heat pulled out an incredible comeback, winning game one in overtime. So let's talk about that series between the Heat and the Celtics. If game one says anything, I think it means that this is a series that will be very close and could go the distance. What are your guys' thoughts on this matchup between two very good teams in the Eastern Conference? This series reminded me of the Raptors-Celtics series in the fact that I thought it was kind of a coin flip, but in a different sense. The Celtics-Raptors, I thought, was going to go seven games no matter what, while this one, I could see it going from either team winning in five games to either team winning in seven games. I have no idea what to think of this. I put Miami in six, and I'm going to stick by that. 
especially after game one. I feel more confident about that. They Obviously, they have the one-game lead. And the Celtics had their Marcus Smart game. They have one or two of those a series, and they lost it. If you lose the Marcus Smart game, that's not very promising. So, I, and Jimmy Butler didn't play that well. As clutch as he was in some last buckets, he I don't even think he had 20 points. He wasn't that great offensively. Bam Adebayo wasn't that great offensively. They were really great defensively. That block was amazing. But the series really could go either way. I'm not super confident with my Heat and Six prediction, but I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, I'd say the Heat in six or seven, you're right. That wasn't by far the best Heat game we've seen from them in the playoffs, but uh, they still managed to to land a victory. Uh, Tatum just couldn't uh, close. Um, But He was atrocious down the stretch. He missed everything. Yeah, but Adebayo, I mean, that that was probably one of the best defensive plays this entire uh, playoffs, Um, and that was just amazing to watch. Um, I mean, I I said it in our, our kind of first episode. I, I I'd love to see a Lakers Celtics matchup, um, but I I do think it will be the Lakers Heat. Yeah, well, if last night showed us anything, it showed us that the Miami Heat are indeed the real deal. For those of you who didn't watch the game, we're talking about a game-saving block by Bam Adebayo in overtime. Uh, rejecting a Jason Tatum dunk to preserve the win for Miami. This team has only lost one game the entire playoffs. They have great coaching. They have a superstar in Jimmy Butler and some very nice, young, complimentary pieces around him, like the aforementioned Adebayo. And so I think the future is definitely bright in Miami, but I still think the Boston Celtics have a lot more left in them. Both of you guys are going with the Miami Heat in this series, and as much as I hate to say it, I think the Celtics might come back and win this series in seven games. This team is similarly well-coached. They have some great young stars, and even though some of them didn't show up or play great in game one, I think they will figure things out. I like the experience on this Boston team. I think they faced more adversity recently, and so I think while it absolutely could go either way, I think the Celtics will find a way in game seven to make it out of the Eastern Conference Finals. I think we'll definitely be keeping an eye out on our, uh, our Cal alum, Jalen Brown, in the, in the series. Um, he's been doing pretty well in the playoffs, but uh, I, I don't necessarily think he'll be the X factor within the series. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think if he can contribute to the Celtics, um, the Celtics have the potential to uh, – just as easily beat the Heat as the Heat uh, could beat them. Yeah, we definitely need to recognize Jalen Brown. He's representing Cal so well, both on and off the court, and I'm very excited to see what he does in the future. Um, So the Eastern Conference Finals should be a very interesting, very close matchup. I'm curious to see what you guys think about the matchups in the Western Conference Finals, where we have the Los Angeles Lakers, who haven't faced much adversity this playoffs and have moved through the first two rounds, honestly, pretty easily coming up against this Denver Nuggets team that has faced two, three, one deficits and came back to win both of those in seven games. What do you guys think the outlook is for both of these teams in this Western conference finals matchup? Normally going into a matchup like this, I would look at the regular season and like to use that as a baseline. But because the Clippers destroyed the Nuggets in the regular season, I can't use that at all. So the regular season means nothing. 
And so I don't really know what to expect. I'm kind of just basing my prediction on the fact that LeBron and Anthony Davis are the two best players in the series. And that tends to work out for those teams. So I'm going to pick the Lakers in six. But the Nuggets are super resilient. And so if the Lakers get up 3-1 or something, like we know it's not over. The Nuggets will keep fighting. So I think every game will be pretty close. Because the Nuggets aren't going to give up if the Lakers have a big lead like the Rockets do. The Rockets are just like, eh, and they just mope around. Denver's not going to do that. But I do think LeBron and Anthony Davis have only been playing about 34 minutes a game. If they start playing 40, 42 minutes a game and, like, really turning it on, I think they could definitely destroy the Nuggets. But I'm going to go six. I don't want to underestimate the Nuggets, and I want to give them their credit. And Jokic is still amazing. And even with Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard, he's not going to be an easy guard. Yeah, I think uh, Lakers in five, it could go six. Uh, I I can't imagine that Denver wouldn't get a game off of the Lakers, but, I mean, LeBron James says it all. He – He's a very experienced, he a very experienced player in the playoffs. Um, I think he he's very well aware of the the weapons that Denver has. Um, but with that being said, I, I think because of that, I the Denver could get one game game off of them. But I, I think the Lakers uh, will readjust and uh, with Anthony Davis and LeBron, uh, I, I can't imagine they won't come out of. Uh, this Western Conference Finals. Um, also, I, 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 I must say, I, I think uh, LeBron, hopefully he, he doesn't get over his head, but, um, you know, the, the Clippers and Bucks, both of which are, were the, the biggest kind of contenders to the Lakers, now that they're eliminated, I, I, uh, I mean, the Lakers have a really, really good shot. And I think LeBron probably, in my opinion, uh, he probably knows that the Nuggets may be, may be kind of an even tougher matchup than uh, possibly the Celtics or the Heat. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I think the Lakers will come out of the West. Yeah, well, you bring up a very interesting question, Ryan, which is that all season long, the NBA and fans of the NBA have kind of been expecting this battle of L.A. in the Western Conference Finals and then – a matchup with the MVP Giannis in the NBA finals. And now neither of those two things will be happening. Um, So it seems on paper, potentially like the Lakers might just walk straight to a finals victory. Um, But I'm wondering, do you guys think that's true? Or maybe with those two teams out of the way, will that get into the heads of LeBron and the Lakers? And will there be some adversity that they face um, that will hold them back? What do you guys think? No, I don't think it's a cakewalk. I don't like that people are saying that and they're really underestimating all these teams, the Nuggets, the Heat, and the Celtics. Maybe, maybe they'll prove me wrong and the Lakers will just, you know, not lose another game or something. I'd be surprised. But no, it's not a cakewalk. The Nuggets are going to be the hardest team they've faced so far. The Blazers were terrible on defense. The Rockets are super mentally weak. And then the Nuggets are really resilient. And they have Nikola Jokic, who is really good and really hard to guard because his playmaking is so elite. With James Harden, you could double him and you'd pass and he would just stand off in the corner and do nothing. Jokic, if you double him, he'll pass and he's going to do stuff. He's not going to just walk to half court and do nothing. So Denver is tough, despite the fact that their roster might not look amazing and people underestimated them, including myself. It's no cakewalk. But at the same time, it's not going to go into LeBron's head. He's not going to be like, oh, the Clippers and Bucks are gone. This will be easy. He's LeBron. He's been here before. He doesn't underestimate his opponents. He's what people thought Kawhi was. No, LeBron is legit, and he's going to take everything seriously. And that mentality will go down to the rest of the Lakers. 
Well, I, I think because of that, LeBron taking it seriously, I, I, I think uh, he he's going to kind of wreak havoc in this this playoff series. Um, I, I do think that, uh, again, the, this this series will probably be, in my opinion, closer than uh, a series if the Lakers make it out of the West and either team, the Heat or the Celtics, come out of the East. Um, I think it, once the Lakers, if if they are to, to get out of the conference finals, they'll have plenty of momentum moving forward. Um, and I, I think they'll, they'll handily uh, beat either the Heat or the Celtics. But uh, Denver, I think, will be a tougher matchup. Yeah, I agree. I think the Lakers are able to win this series, but they have to make sure to take the Nuggets seriously and recognize that even though this team came in as a lower seed, maybe not as talented as teams like the Clippers on paper, they've seriously proved themselves this playoffs and can upset anybody if the Lakers aren't on their guard. But in the end, I agree. I think LeBron James finds a way to elevate his game in the postseason. And I think the Nuggets put up a fight, but probably the Lakers find a way to win this series in, I'm going to say, six games. I think that the Nuggets and, to a lesser extent, even the Heat and the Celtics are teams of the future, but the Lakers are the team of the present. They're built to win now, and I'm excited to see if they can kind of fulfill the expectations on them and take over the rest of the playoffs en route to an NBA championship. But now that we've previewed the conference finals, why don't we preview potential NBA championships? So both of you guys have the Miami Heat matching up against the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA finals. What are you guys thinking about this series? Uh, I'm going to say I would pick Lakers in six again, probably. It depends on how these conference finals go and how good these teams look. But again, Miami's also a really tough team. They're also really resilient. They have tough guys, real tough guys, not guys like Marcus Morris. Uh, like Jimmy Butler is really good, and he plays up to the competition. And they've got a lot of shooters. They're the best shooting team in the league, so that's going to be hard to guard. Bam Adebayo is really quick, and he's probably going to be the best Anthony Davis defender that the Lakers would have faced. Denver doesn't have anyone to guard him. Boston doesn't have anyone to guard him. But Bam Adebayo is really good. So I think that would be – the toughest matchup for the Lakers at that point, you know, I mean, that's how it should be with the finals. And I think it'd be really cool. It'd be Eric Spolstra versus Frank Vogel again, back when it was Pacers versus Heat in the conference finals. And it'd be LeBron versus his old team. There's a lot of cool narratives like that. So that'd be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Lakers in five. I think it, I honestly think it could either go Lakers in four or six, um, but I'll, I'll go Lakers in five. Um, Miami is a good team and they, they play with heart, but I just don't think they have the experience um, to play up against a LeBron James led team in the finals. Uh, LeBron, assuming uh, this is with the assumption that he, he gets through Denver, he knows that he's four games away from winning another championship, which could potentially help his, his catch uh, to, to Michael Jordan. Right. And that, that's a, Definitely another topic of debate, um, but I, I I can imagine that LeBron wants this more than anyone, um, and the Heat have proven themselves, and I'm sure they'll be just as good of a team as they were this season that uh, next season, uh, and I think they'll be able to probably now teams won't sleep on them nearly as much, but I, I think they'll they'll make a great run uh, potentially in the next playoffs. Uh, we'll see what they do with their roster. 
Um, but I think if you're if you're matching up against a LeBron James uh, team in the finals with little to no experience yourself in the finals, um, then I, I think uh, that that's just a picture for disaster against LeBron. Um, and I think Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero are, are great players, but again, they, this this is their their rookie season, um, and they're uh, they don't they don't know what what to necessarily expect exactly um, in terms of uh, what what uh, the opposing team will do in the finals. Absolutely, I think whoever comes out of the Heat East, be it the Heat or the Celtics, are both very young teams that probably aren't quite ready yet for a matchup with a motivated LeBron James and the Lakers. So I think while I disagree with you and think Boston finds a way to come out of the East in seven, I agree with both of you guys that I think the Lakers are the odds on favorite to take home the NBA title. And I think they'll find a way to do that. This team I think is hungry to win. I think they can see the title within their grasp. And while I think whoever comes out of the East, I'm picking the Celtics will put up a fight. I see the Lakers knocking off Boston in six games to win an NBA title. Uh, but those are just our predictions. And of course, the playoffs have been so unpredictable so far. So I'm very excited to see what happens next. And I'm sure we could be proved completely wrong. So we'll have to keep watching and you guys listening will have to keep listening because I'm sure we will keep doing podcasts throughout the playoffs. We'd love to do an NBA Finals preview, some recaps, and maybe even podcasts about the draft and free agency once those come up. So be sure to keep listening. And unless you guys have anything else to add, that's going to do it for this episode of One Golden Moment. Thank you for listening and see you next time. See the skis there. I'm a